0: You know what we're not slick about? Uh, tell me. Because there's a long list. <laughs> texting people when we shouldn't be texting. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. I'll say it. I texted Steve Forbes at 659 <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> what was he doing, Joe? Well, I texted I texted Wes. I texted Wes in the middle of something. I realized, oh, crap. That's right. He's calling the do pit game. Duh. You know, it's like you know I should probably do a better job of a when games are being played. B, it's not hard to look at a schedule. I just assumed Wake was only playing on Tuesday or Wednesday. What time? I didn't even know anybody played on Monday. Did 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 Forbes text you? He did. He did. (laughs) He did. (laughs) At halftime? No, that'd be funny if he texted on on his way home. (laughs) What times the UNC State game tonight? Eight o'clock. Do we know what time for real? Do I have to double check that? No, it's eight o'clock. Text um I'm, I'm only going one morning coffee today. Text uh text Kevin Keats at uh, eight fifteen. Well, I just figure it's payback for all the times Roy and Kevin have called during the show. Dude. <laughs> Dude. At like three oh one. Yeah, that's that's definitely a classic. <laughs> Y'all don't know what we do, do you? <laughs> that's good stuff. Anyway, you ready to get going? hmm All right, let's do OG, it. OG OG. OG OG Here we go. Let's podcast alongside Joe Gillio. I'm Joe Ovias inside Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh. Thanks to Empire Properties and thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers pluscom dot they, they can keep track of all of our timing issues for us. We're probably Give me a spreadsheet. Yes. Yeah. Print it out. There's the there's the the cloud and the document management, and maybe we can have, you know, like a dynamic excel spreadsheet of some sort to let here's the big four master schedule julio i'll have to get get drew on that for me that would be it that would be it so big thanks to copiers plus check them out online at copiers plus.com we're not going to waste any time this morning because there's a big game tonight play the freaking hits joe let's go at pnc arena let's bring on wes durham on the heaster automotive group hotline wes apologies i i should have not have texted you Gossipy things right before <laughs> a game between Duke and Pitt. Apologies for that, Wes.
1: No, no, that's fine. It's good to see you guys. Happy January and Happy New Year. A little late, I guess, into the year. Yeah.
0: Can yeah, I probably. still say Happy
1: New Year? Can I still do that? Yeah, it's uh, we fine. just hit
0: double digits, but
1: it's okay. By the okay. way,
0: if you're watching on YouTube, Wes is in a Pittsburgh hotel room right now after calling that uh, Pitt-Duke game, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Are he you looks like he's in Tuscaloosa? Right. Are you, you like sure? Are you sure you're not in some sort of like
1: Bear Bryant super graduate family? hotel? Some Bear Bryant graduate hotel I'm in Tuscaloosa? Sure. <laughs> what
0: What is that house tooth, man? That curtain prevents himself this is, from making CFP selection committee joke.
1: Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Um, this, yeah, that was funny. Um, this is, uh, this is the Hotel Monaco in downtown Pittsburgh. Oh, um, that's okay, a, I'm gonna do. I, I promised myself I'd never do this when I did y'all show, but see that building right there through yeah. the window in yeah. yeah. Pittsburgh this morning. Yeah, that boys is U.S. Steel. That's where America was made, right there. So there you go.
0: For, for all of my kvetching about adding Pitt to the ACC, that is one of my favorite cities. Yeah, I, I, I,
1: I wish they had the it
0: is, tournament there.
1: I, you know what? Julio, I'm gonna jump right in with you on that. I am a huge fan of this city. The people here are terrific. They love sports. Um, And last night when the ball game started, we had a full Oakland Zoo, largest student turnout they'd had in a long time, near sellout house for Duke and Pitt. And it was the environment that I think we had thought when Jamie Dixon brought Pitt in this league in 2013-14 that we were going to see on a regular basis. And you know, I give Jeff Capel a lot of credit. It was a tough night last night. Mm-hmm. But I saw genuine interest and enthusiasm mm-hmm. about, and you guys know this, a basketball program that eight years ago, they probably should have just shut down in mid-January in Kevin Stallings last year and called it off, to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I think that I think it's a very underrated city. In fact, I would tell, and, and Julio, you've been here for football. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. would tell any ACC fan you ought to make this trip. It's a, it's worth your endeavor, especially in the fall. Rarely do you get pit at home in football with the Pirates at home, just because of the facility configurations. Um, but I, I would tell you it's a it's a very enjoyable time, and when you come with the Hall of Famer who's won more than a thousand games, he knows where all the good restaurants are too. By the way, so that helped last night. That helped the other night for sure. Did you go? Did
0: Did you and Jim Beheim? You're referencing Jim Beheim. Who was on the broadcast with you last night? Did you guys go to a nice Italian
1: restaurant? We did. What'd you get? Uh I I apparently was admonished by the Hall of Famer. No, not Jim uh, would never admonish. Well, you know, he never, he, he, he does it in a very kidding way. Of course. Um, not. but we went to a place whose specialty it's alla famiglia, it's a an Italian restaurant on the hill. And um I got a a small petite filet because I'm kind of, that's what I'm eating these days, a small petite filet. Bayhom was looking at me like, you can't come to an Italian restaurant where they specialize in veal chops and order a small petite filet. And I went, hey coach, that's kind of what I was looking for tonight. Sorry, (laughs) but it was fun. Now he's a great conversationalist and we've had wonderful time doing these two games and we got, you know, a couple more to go and we're pretty excited. And and Corey deserves a lot of credit too. It's been a it's been a nice three man weave, as I like to say, of broadcasting.
0: Mm-hmm. Just don't ask Beheim about Roy Williams or Mike Sheshewski, even though he has like unbelievable friendships with both of them. Just don't ask him to put any of their stuff in context about their career. <laughs> Because apparently that is what leads you to trouble. Wow. Speaking of scars from previous <laughs>
1: interviews. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, now, now we get got strays for Giglio's career. The well, journalistic well, career kicking in a little bit. It.
0: Yeah, well, What's funny is you talk about great conversations. I noticed that last night watching the game that, you know, you talk about the Oakland Zoo and it's a great crowd, but Duke took that crowd out real oh. quick, real wow. quick. And when they were up 30 or whatever it was, I could tell you guys went into what I like to call sports talk radio protocol where there's really not a lot to talk about in terms of the game because it's decided. It's a blowout. And at that point, you're just having conversations. So I kind of caught that last night, which gets to the the overall question about Duke, where they have not had a game like this where things come easy to them uh, mm-hmm. in the last stretch for a variety of reasons. They've gone up against some physical teams. Kyle Filipowski's had to power through that, but they've had other guys step up. Uh, right. the Syracuse game was a bit of a slog until the second half when... Mitchell had taken over and you had guys like McCain hitting shots. Tyrese Proctor has been coming off the bench. They're trying to integrate him back into the lineup. Things came easy to Duke last night and when they're moving the ball and they're hitting shots and Filipowski's able to operate, you you can get seduced by this Blue Devil team and how good they look.
1: I think you're exactly right. I think the other thing too is that this is the and and you know, remember last year we got we had a front row seat. I was doing the game. You guys were both there when like they bottomed out in Raleigh, right? You know, oh, yeah. they bottomed out and then started the ascent back up. yeah, but the ascent had some bumps in it. Well, <laughs> no in some ways, the the problems that afflicted that team last year in January with losses to NC State, and then remember, on the road to Clemson, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. this team maybe saw that earlier in the year because they played Arizona. You know, they went through that situation with Arizona. They've gotten healthy. Um, I thought the Baylor win showed you really kind of where they were potentially could go. And then even though it was a bit of a rock fight last Saturday at South Bend, I thought the fact that Filipowski didn't play well, Mitchell did for a second straight game, kind of energized the rest of those guys. And then last night, uh, in fact, John Shire told us this uh, yesterday afternoon at the shoot around. We want to try and come in here and, and kind of defend the will, play cocky, but cocky in a good way, not mm-hmm. cocky in a, hey, look at us, we're Duke, but cocky in a confident way. And I think they did that last night. I think the shot making was certainly a big part of it. But let's don't lose sight of the fact that they defended really well against mm-hmm. an explosive team. There was no easy catch for Blake Henson last night. Bub Carrington was 0 for the first half. His 10 points came basically in the last 12 minutes of the game and i felt like duke kind of put their stamp on being one of the top two or three teams in the acc for the rest of the way last night now a lot of work to do they got georgia tech saturday and then a week off before they host Pitt back at cameron but i but i think they have kind of shown you at least in the early stages of january they've got great capability of being that team
0: all right so duke back on track. Uh, amazing what happens when you hit 11 threes hmm. in a basketball game. My primary concern going into this year about Duke, they outside shooting. Um, hmm. We got tonight over in Raleigh, North Carolina, 3-0. The, the Ooh, Good I, old days, boys. Speaking of teams who have confidence in winning ugly at, at the Pittsburgh game, we're really, Joe and I are on the same page. That was That was the canary coming out of the coal mine for the Tar Heels, really moving on from last year. And then they get state who I thought played their most complete game on Saturday against Virginia, where it was like, you know, state doesn't have our Joiner or our Smith anymore, but they do have a bunch of other like good players. And I thought they all seemingly played their role on Saturday night. How do you see this thing shaping up tonight in
1: Raleigh? Ooh, we, um, you know, it's interesting, and I, I think I heard you guys say this on, on one of your previous shows. Carolina's gotten back to the running and the rebounding, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Carolina's kind of, hey, you know, we're not going to play those two bigs anymore. We're going to play four out, one in, and we're going to kind of, you know, modernize the game, and yet Carolina's found themselves. That Baycott-Jalen-Washington lineup, you know, that 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 small sequence of that lineup has been interesting for me. Um I think tonight has a chance to be electric. I really do. I think Billis and Dave O'Brien who got the call on ESPN have got an unbelievable opportunity to see the old days of State Carolina. And I I think you're going to see end to end. I think there are a lot of intriguing matchups tonight. I think point guard is going to be one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really like the way Kevin has brought his team along. I'm not sure, you know, the, the game itself then for the fact that it set the sport back maybe 50 years the other night. I, I'm I'm of the belief that not many teams, unless they've been through some stuff together, find a way to win that game like Kevin Steen did the other night at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And that's proven, by the way, to be a pretty good win based on Notre Dame winning in Atlanta last night, the way they played Duke, you know, those kinds of things. But I'm excited for this game tonight. It, it, yeah, it takes me back. I'm the old school guy here. I, I know that State Carolina's a thing, yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how the momentum and the personality of the game goes tonight. I think at times it'll be horrifically bad, but I also think at times it's going to be. Unbelievable to watch the shot making and the playmaking.
0: Yeah, I don't think we'll get Marcus Page, TJ Warren, but I'm getting those kind of vibes, like a mm-hmm. game where you're like, okay, both of these teams are actually pretty good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: The, pro- the yeah, problem not. for state, the problem for state in this game historically, is in the paint yes. and how Armando, Armando Bay. I mean, we have enough data from Armando Baycott and how this game typically. This goes. is why you make a trade with Clemson for the enforcer. Yeah. This is the go exact and get reason. Enforcer. You traded Jack Clark from Ben Middlebrook. If NC State is going to have a chance in this game, you know, outside the obvious of got to make shots, shout out to right. Sandy Lo. Um, It's weathering Armando Baycott and how they're going to officiate the game, which is kind of key. Are they going to have the pandemic rules, as you like to talk about, and yeah. kind of let them play? More mm. importantly, though, I do think that Carolina is going to get theirs rebounding-wise because, that's again, historically, that's how it usually plays out. Carolina can be forced into turnover prone situations. Yes. there's one thing that we do know about the Kevin Keats team and this NC state team when they when they ratchet well, up the defensive intensity, things can get turned around. And that's what I'm looking at for NC State. This is his best defensive team. Car- Taylor's his best on the ball. Yeah, has got a freshman wall with Elliot Cadeau. right? Mm-hmm. That's sure. been good, and he stepped up, but this team can be forced into a ton of turnovers, which will drive Hubert Davis knots. To me, that's kind of the key right now, force
1: them. Well, and let me go back to Jaden Taylor, Gillio. That's leaky black for Kevin mm-hmm. Keats. Mm-hmm. That's exactly who that is. That is the stopper. I mean, the best shooter, the best perimeter player on the opposing team is going to be defended by Jaden Taylor, Bottom line. And look, I think Parker played great on Saturday against uh, Virginia. I thought he played with poise, motivated. motivated. Yeah, <laughs> old school. Speaking of old school, yeah, I'm yeah, they didn't want me. Oh, oh, right. Okay. And and then the other piece of this is guys like, and this is where Kevin deserves a lot of credit. I think guys like Diara. Um, those guys under Middlebrooks, you mentioned a moment ago, I, I, this is the reason I think his team has a real legitimate chance to be a factor in this because those guys fully embrace their roles. It's more than just, Hey, four guys. And boy, that DJ Burns is a fun guy to watch play. Isn't he? No, he's a hell of a basketball player. And that we got to get around the fact that the guy is, you know, he's got soft hands, incredible touch around the basket and he's fun to watch. He's fun to be around. He is a terrific personality in this league. There was a player in the late 70s in the ACC named Chubby Wells who was just an unbelievable character of the game at Clemson. DJ Burns reminds me of Chubby Wells for the old people in the group. But I also think, too, he's also a first-team All-ACC talent if NC State has the kind of year I think they want to have.
0: He's such an interesting, you say, Chubby Wells. I can't remember a player who was so good at one thing, but also a liability on the defense mm. out of, of the ball. You know, so yeah. I, I think that's what Kevin's best work has been, particularly in these last two games has been, you know, the, the comeback and under game DJ was on the bench. He was,
1: yes, he was He,
0: he scored the two baskets to win the game, but he was
1: so gone. was horn, by the way, horn yeah. and Burns were both on the bench during the run from down seven to get the game tied. Yeah.
0: But when DJ was needed, he came in and brought up play. Yeah, we talk about this all the time. Your coach, as a coach, your number one job is for everyone to understand their roles. Mm-hmm. You know, and the three of us have had this conversation many times in this portal NIL world. When you reset your roster every year, it's really hard in yeah. November and December to learn on the fly. And I think you're starting to see NC State here in January figure out like modiara, for example, plays a lot and was an important part of that Notre mm-hmm. Dame win. Then he only plays three minutes against Virginia.
1: Well, guess what they're going to need tonight? Mm-hmm. Modiara. You know, what I mean, it's just they're going to need Muhammad Diara tonight in a lot of ways because he's the guy you at least trust to go get rebounds around a player like Baycott because he did it in the SEC at Missouri last year for Gates.
0: Yeah. I think it'll be an interesting game tonight. I, I, mm-hmm. obviously we have all kinds of data that says Carolina wins this basketball game, other than that state has won two of the last three in Raleigh, but Keats three and nine, Gottman two and 11, Sid one and 10 versus these guys. Like, how do you walk in tonight thinking that Carolina doesn't win this basketball game? Right.
1: I mean, he's, gotta make, gotta make shots, Joe. Gotta make shots. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like a joke <laughs> with some friends about the, uh,
0: the dolphins and the bills this past weekend. yeah, mm. You know, the dolphins will be fine. I'm like, nah, man, I've seen this movie. <laughs> I saw this movie back in the nineties. Nineties are so hot right now. There's a reboot for all these types of things. Yeah. So be- before we get speaking of the NFL, before we get out of here, Wes, I saw problems for your boy. He should have listened to me. He should have listened to me. All, everyone should have listened to me on that one. <laughs> Arthur Smith should be Carolina's football coach right now. He should have listened. <laughs> Bubba should have listened to me, too. <laughs> Didn't work out in Atlanta, though.
1: Obvious. What's it like working with the authority, Joe Giglio? Oh, tell me that wasn't look, the solution, man, Wes. You, tell me that Well, was- it could yeah. be one day. It just wasn't then.
0: Wes, you, you have been doing this long enough to know that in this business... Keep yeah. Somebody, somebody,
1: everybody hits a hundred once. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not
0: even that we've, we've got, we've all got it figured out. We've all mm-hmm. got it figured out and yeah. when we're not putting together and managing salary caps because mm-hmm. you know, we just happened to go to capfriendly.com that day or whatever it is sure. um, and things like that. We're also caveman lawyers, you know, because we watched law and I order one law degree. Thank you. We can actually go into deep diving conversations like <laughs> NIL and Title uh, IX and contracts and how to get out of a grant of rights—we've all got right. it figured out. We're just these, you know, just un uh, unappreciated geniuses of our time, Wes. That's what we I do. I agree.
1: You are all right. So I'll give you my Falcons, my fun Falcons little deal here, right? Yeah, yeah Because yeah. since the Falcons and Panthers are both looking for coaches, that's why I brought. So, that's
0: why I brought it up. It's like here we right. are. Here, here we. Are. By yeah. the way, it's not like the Saints was a given, too. By the way. Uh, the NFC South seems to be a, a continual dumpster fire. Somebody's got wow. every year. Shout out, and, to the and,
1: well, and Dennis Allen does such a good job, you know, coaching and leading his players that they run their own plays. <laughs> anyway, um, so here we go, Jillio, you'll love this. So I'm going to give you three names. You get to pick the next Falcons coach. Ready? Mm-hmm. Kirby Smart, Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh.
0: How about the 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 guy that they really wanted? Who was just fired, and probably would do a lot of the same
1: things. Vrabel. Brabel's <laughs> going to Foxborough. Okay, are we sh- are we sure about
0: that? Because if they were going to move on from that Belichick, makes the most sense. It to makes me. the most sense. But if they were going to move on from Belichick, they would have moved on from Belichick by now. It's Wednesday, and he was doing his Monday. Present. I
1: don't dis- I don't agree with that at all. I think if they're going to move on from Belichick, they've got to figure out because rob no no, they've got to figure out the compensation of where belichick's going to go if he's going to coach because they're going to do this in one swing okay they're going to do this like belichick is in my opinion robert Kraft is going to get a draft pick out of this because robert Kraft wants a draft pick the second part of this is it has to be a two-step process in new england because belichick is also the gm Mm -hmm. so therefore you can't just dismiss belichick and go he's fired you know you can't do that you have to find out how your infrastructure is going to be impacted here there's a bigger kind of bigger org chart shift in new england than there is some other place because of the fact that the guy does two things and he does them at a high level and he's done it at a high level for a long time
0: let me rephrase that before we get out of here specifically with belichick do you think he wants to leave new england
1: um I don't know that he wants to leave New England. I just don't know that he knows what he wants to do if he's not going to coach New England. Sure,
0: which then gets I, to another team like Washington continues to come up as a potential That's leader.
1: not he's not I I cannot see him going to a new non-proven owner group that Well, that's that then we get to Atlanta, which is Yeah, but you got a business guy who would give him full control. I mean, he's got football people around. You got mm-hmm a guy who is a lifer in the business who I think is one of the smartest guys I've ever been around in football, and Rich McKay, Mm -hmm. who runs the competition committee, who Belichick is familiar with, and the rest of it, you can move the chess pieces. Terry Fontenot worked for Mickey Loomis, and before he became the GM in Atlanta, Terry Fontenot and Belichick I think would be a much more symphonic combination. Look, here's the deal. Arthur Smith lost his job on Sunday night or Monday morning at midnight. I would say this. The Atlanta Falcons are a better franchise af- today than they were three years ago when Arthur and Terry were hired. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I can say that about some of the other vacancies in the league. Atlanta is a Atlanta is a better team. They're they're much more stable from a salary perspective and a talent perspective than they were three years ago. Arthur deserves credit for that, and so does Terry Fontenot. Terry Fontenot is going to be a part of this process, and I. I don't rule out. I don't rule out anything in Atlanta. You could tell me that Bubbles, the circus clown, is going to be the next head coach of the Falcons, and I would believe a little bit of it just because I think it's that wide open in this particular case.
0: <laughs> West Durham, ESPN, Atlanta Falcons voice. West
1: uh, by the that. way, by the way, my game uh, Saturday night is at seven o'clock or no eight o'clock. Miami, Virginia Tech, in Blacksburg. Next Tuesday night, I'll be in Raleigh at seven. Don't text yes. me. Carolina on Wednesday night at yeah. nine o'clock in Chapel Hill. So don't text me or send me notes. Oh, we will see you right. on I, will,
0: I was going to say, I will see you on Tuesday and Wednesday of next. Oh, good. Week. I'll see you. So I'll just
1: yeah. harass you then. That looks fun. All right. Sounds good. Maybe we'll get a, a post game beverage.
0: Hopefully I'll find a place that's open after the fact. All right, Wes, we'll talk to you and, later. Ned. Oh, uh, West, Ooh, we could bring that if you I just, want. I was going <laughs> to say, we could just
1: do some lot four roses if you want. <laughs> yeah, hey, and uh, Obvious, nice job getting all the equipment to work this time. You guys have a great day. Wow, Wes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's fine. See ya. Housekeeping.
0: I'm, I'm not mad at Wes because as much as I dish it, I do have to be able to take it. As much as I get on you about your inability to properly handle your computer, it's okay. When I get when I screw up, I struggle is real. Jim. I will own that. I will own that. Speaking of technology, I got to make sure we got the right technology for the Tecmo Super Bowl tournament. Shady yes. downtown Garner, February 4th. We need contestants. If you're on the fence about this, get off the fence. Join us. It'll be a lot of fun. Just email us. The OG goes digital at gmail.com that you want to participate in this Tecmo Super Bowl tournament. Twenty five bucks to enter
2: There are cash prizes. Cash
0: prizes hang out. We'll take care of you. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I know I have I know I know. have a functioning Nintendo. No, we have enough. The, the controllers could be I have a game, I have a system, but the, my, one of my controllers doesn't work, so we just Ooh. need to make sure we have six controllers yeah. and three units. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to make sure that's the case. Um, t-shirts. Go to com slash OG and you can buy some OG merch. We did have a Michigan fan who listens to the podcast buy a shirt from Homefield from, you know, using the home field promo code OG 23. All right. So he's like, now I'll, I, I let it pass because he was like, yeah, man, you know, I almost pulled the trigger on that shirt last, you know, on the, the night that they won when they announced it, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, I was going to get back to it, you know, maybe thinking whatever. But then when I heard you guys talking about like Michigan fans, who listen to the podcast that we're going to buy something, I had to do it. And he had the promo code used and everything else. So I said, look, man, you have an option. We can either just reimburse you for the purchase or we can send you a hoodie. He's like, hoodie, let's go. So BreakingTea.com slash OG and get your OG and Chilio merch. I agree. I thought that was a very good choice. Just like you should make very good choices when it comes to selling your home or buying a home. And that's where Hometown Realty comes into play. Check them out online at myhtr.com. Again, that's myhtr.com. Buy, sell, you can calculate. Most importantly, interest rates are coming down, so you want to be ahead of where the market is going. That's where they can help, Joe. Yeah, uh, the word frenzy can be overused in certain situations, but I do think the way that the market is going and where inventory is, you want to get ahead of that frenzy. So the best thing to do is go with hometown realty. It's myhtr.com. Buy, sell, calculate. Also, big thanks to Whitaker and Hamer. They are helping us out with that Tecmo Super Bowl tournament. They can help you out with closing on a house or a refinance if that's the case. Or I don't know, maybe a you stray sh- traffic ticket in downtown for passing somebody on a stoplight. You should have done that. And they'll help you with that too. So head on over to wh.lawyer. Again, that's wh.lawyer. <laughs> I did want to circle back to one thing before we bring on Mike K of the Charlotte Observer to talk about the Carolina Panthers and where they are with not just a head coaching search, but a GM search as well as Scott Fitterer was let go on Monday. And we talked about Bill Belichick and, and where he's going to end up. Is he going to, is he going to stay with new England? Is there going to be a trade? Because remember for the longest time this year, the speculation was that Mike Vrabel, there was going to be this swap. The the Patriots are going to move on from Bill Belichick, get some sort of compensation from Washington, potentially Atlanta, and then they were going to engage with the Tennessee Titans and get Mike Vrabel to be their head coach. A little little menage action, a little three-way. However, not happening because the Tennessee Titans decided, eh, eh, you know what? We don't like making smart moves. (laughs) Well... Is it, is it, they don't feel like making smart moves or maybe they were of the opinion that we aren't going to get any sort of compensation that we think we're going to get from Mike Vrabel. Dumb franchises are dumb franchises. Eh, Fair enough. I mean, I'll also say this, like these, these NFL teams who fire their coach on the the Monday morning after the season ends. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, well, do you have a recruiting class to, to line up? Like, <laughs> what what's the big hurry? Well, you don't want to pay the guy. I mean, you're going to have to pay him anyway to go away a little bit. They want to get it. The social media teams, oh, the social media teams are ready because that's low key it's, my favorite it's the cloud chasing, is what you're saying. Dude, I think this is hilarious because you've noticed this over the last couple I mean, of years. Yeah, right? you got a month basically. I mean, yes, I, if your coach is going to be involved in personnel decisions, you want to get that person in place before the draft. Sure. But, But what I think is funny is that everything is geared towards content these days. So you notice that what teams will do, and the Panthers will do this too, they will tweet out or put on Instagram, we have completed an interview with such and such. Like, for instance, the Chargers completed an interview with Kellen Moore. Yeah, Dallas. In, in, the in-house interviews have been completed. You yeah. saw that, and it's it, they're making it like these. It's almost like watching Succession or some other TV show, uh, and the next progression and where they are on this. It's all content, man. So maybe they want to get ahead of it because hey, we have content that we need to make for our own in-house entertainment, and now we've got the graphics ready to go. And we've got our list. I mean, because the Panthers put out the list too. Here are the guys that we're targeting. It's all very out in the open. It almost becomes bachelor, bachelorette in who's going to get the final rose. But the one thing about variable, after four winning seasons with the Tennessee Titans, they were combined 13 and 21 over the last two years uh, in Tennessee. And, you know, it was one of these kind of falling off a cliff type situations at the end of the year. They, the, the Tennessee Titans were very, very open about their quote unquote difficult decision. But it is interesting. After so much speculation that they were going to making, they're going to be making some kind of swap. They looked at the situation and said, no, "And you know how they are with draft picks. You know how NFL teams are with yeah. draft picks that they would just rather move on from Vrabel than try to play the game. Maybe they knew they weren't going to get any compensation because maybe they knew that a they were going to move on from him, and b maybe there's really no real market for Mike Vrabel. I don't know." Again, I'm just kind of looking at the situation. Find that hard to believe. I, I'm with you. I am with you on that. I just thought that the move was an eyebrow raiser. Um, again, before we bring on Mike, I do want to bring this up too. Shout out to our guy, Josh Graham. Hell of a radio tease for Josh Graham. He tweeted this out. The Panthers released a list of assistant coaches they've requested to interview. There's one dark horse candidate that hasn't been talked about much since November that should be taken seriously now. So I did the thing that I love to do. Clicked on it. I retweeted it with Dave Doran, which, of course, starts the let's just spam with terrible names. Luke DeCock chimed in with Larry Fedora. How about Mike O'Kane? What about David Cutcliffe? But I was asleep at the wheel. I should have made this joke. If you were in on the joke, I know you would have made it. But Mark Yarborough won. Matt Canada? Oh, my guy. <laughs> He's got to fall up. That's the well, question. There's a lot of openings. There's a lot of head coach openings that's now. That's a question. Your guy Matt Kidd. Now, there always... is a presidential election next year. So that's in play, too. He always finds a way. Always finds a way. Mike K., Charlotte Observer, joining us now on the Eastern Automotive Group Hotline. Uh It is, is this the best time of the year to be a beat writer? Joe used to be a beat writer. It is coaching search season. The NFL is an entirely different beast and Mike does it as good as anybody. So <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend, but I did love a coaching search. I, know,
3: so it's interesting. I've covered, I think this is my f- fourth or fifth coaching search. I've mm. never covered a GM search. I've never had to.
0: Okay.
3: Um, what I find is the GM stuff, you're re- like, it's a crab shoot. It's really hard to weigh in on a lot of stuff because there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Unless you talk to people around the league, you're not, you know, there's no, there's no, like if, if it's an assistant GM or a player personnel guy, a lot of people have like stuff to weigh in there, right? Like it's like, uh, there's a lot in that pot. Coaching, it's a little bit different. You can see if a guy was a really good play caller. You can see if he had success that way. So um, that's new for me. Two head coaching searches in two off seasons when you have an infant kid. And yeah, that's uh, not something I was looking forward to. I thought I was going to go on leave in January. And well,
0: Well, Panthers have... Panthers had other plans, although you kind of had a sense of uh, how this was going because the season wasn't getting any better. So uh, you knew how this was going to go. All right, let's start backwards. Let's go backwards and then go forward um, with the firing of Scott Fitterer. And there's a lot of conversation as to what exactly Scott Fitterer did with an involved owner, how much of his decisions were actually his decisions and how much of that was a Matt rule decision or a David Tepper decision, X, Y, Z. So, and if you could kind of put a bow on the Scott Fitterer tenure as general manager, a man who said, we want to be on, in on every deal. Well, how much of it was him in involved with these deals?
3: Well, I think ultimately it's everything's under his umbrella, right? But you know, if your boss wants something, which technically Matt rule had final say his first two years here, there were, it was abundantly clear when you looked at who he cut, after training camp this year, who were his guys and who were not his guys. I think, mm-hmm. you know, Brandon Smith was an athletic guy who fit the athletic profile that Matt Rule liked. I think Shy Smith was a guy that um I felt the entire offseason like he was kind of on shaky ground. There were you know, of the guys selected from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two, only nine of the seventeen players are still employed by the team and one of them was on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Um Look, I think I think the CMC trade doesn't get made unless the owner is all for it. He's the face of your franchise. And I've said this several times. I think the return they got for him was very good pre using the picks, but they are magic beans. And so it doesn't matter what type of draft picks you got in return for a guy if you use them to essentially draft Jonathan Mingo and DJ Johnson. Um, I've written about this several times. Day two of the draft was one of the worst processes I've ever seen covering an NFL draft. And I started as a draft analyst in in the industry. So like, this is, there was a lot, but I mean, it, it all kind of falls on him, whether your coaching staff is terrible at evaluating personnel, which by the way, from the outside looking in rule and Reich both had pretty tough times with their personnel and, and figuring out how to use them. Um, I think DJ Chark playing X receiver is a massive malfunction of understanding what your talent is. He's a Z receiver who needs to be, you know, given some space. He's not a press beater. That's just not him. Jonathan Mingo playing Z receiver when he's really a slot receiver, but you have Adam Thielen who you don't want to move out of the slot because he's the only guy that can catch a football. Like there, there was a lot going on here. Uh, The staff was very big on Miles Sanders. Um, I think. Ultimately, like what, yeah, ultimately, what this bogs down to is it's great to be a collaborator and a consensus builder, which is what Scott's known as around the league. But at some point, as the GM, you have to have the awareness to say, No, no, we're not doing that. That doesn't make sense. Okay. I think that was his biggest problem. We know the old adage nice guys finish last. Well,.
0: So Mike, the last time we talked to you, you talked about what the structure could look like for the Panthers and you had suggested that they probably need like a VP of football operations. Who's kind of in charge of everything. And then there's the GM who kind of handles the contracts and the, the daily stuff. And then obviously the coach, uh, as the Panthers are, are remade this off season, do you see them going in that direction or, or will it be more of a traditional GM coach owner type deal?
3: I think it depends on the GM that they hire, right? I think like if you're going to keep retain Dan Morgan, you need somebody who really understands the other side of the the pillow, so to speak, of running a front office. He's a true personnel man, yeah. former player. Like, you know, he's not a salary cap guy. There's not, there's nothing to that. And I he's think nice. what's interesting is if you look at like Nick Matteo from from the. Ravens if you look at Brent Tillis from the Chiefs if you look at Alec Hallaby from from the Eagles those are all you know quote-unquote nerds like those guys are numbers dudes like that's what vibes with David Tepper and so I think if you put somebody as EVP of football operations that doesn't mean they necessarily have to be a, a football czar it just means that they help run the business like when you're an EVP of football operations you're also dealing with marketing you're dealing with PR you're dealing with all this stuff if you want your GM to be a true personnel guy like in the old school manner and let him cook you need him to not worry about all that other stuff now Samir Solomon has been here he negotiates contracts it is interesting that they are talking to the nerds Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call them instead of like the, I mean, there are some personnel guys. Brandon Brown is a very, very, very legitimate uh, candidate. Champ Kelly is, it it looks really, really good. I got a lot of pushback the other day for saying what he did in his interim stint uh, looked impressive, but when you're an interim head coach, you typically work with the GM even more than you normally would. And you make decisions together. Think about it. They benched Jimmy Garoppolo for a rookie and then they played well. They got rid of several veterans uh, that were McDaniels guys like that's impressive you need to be able to go outside the norm and I think that's what he did there I think when you look at some of the guys they didn't interview Ian C- uh, they didn't request at least initially Ian Cunningham Adam Peters those are guys who have interviewed for other jobs here before and both of them are considered two of the better candidates from an executive standpoint so that's kind of interesting maybe they'll look at them down the road maybe they got the sense like there's been a thing with Adam Peters I've seen it reported that A lot of the times they just think he's going to go back to San Francisco, and so maybe Tepper did not want to waste some time there. Um, But I think from a GM perspective, I would hire the GM first, if you could, unless it's Ben Johnson, who you really want. And they did not put in a request for Ray Agnew, Mm -hmm. who is the assistant GM in Detroit. Wolfblood who, who is, is an NC State alum who has played in the league. I mean, he, he, he's kind of like an older version of Dan Morgan in a lot of ways.
0: Okay.
3: Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, there's the – what I like to call the Shanahan Collective, where it's like a bunch of guys represented by Richmond Flowers who you know has worked with Kyle Shanahan extensively, Frank Smith, Ben Johnson, um, Bobby Slowick, those guys who all kind of have like a Shanahan influence in their offense – maybe they like a guy who is kind of under the radar and maybe it's not Peters.
0: So here's, here's my, you mentioned Ben Johnson and I know they put out this, this big list of guys that they're going to be talking to. And I'm not going to reel off all the names. It's like 10 different guys. It's Ben, jo- Ben Johnson's name keeps coming up. And Ben Johnson was somebody that was attached to the Carolina Panthers last year and with all these other job openings, he is somebody that is going to be looked at by these other by these other teams. So, is he the number one target? Is is he the guy that the, the Panthers ultimately want?
3: That seems to be the case. I mean, I, no one's outright said it to me, yeah, but everybody brings up him first. Okay, who I talk to. Um, he is a guy who obviously is from Asheville, went to UNC, very smart, worked his way up the Detroit you know, ladder and coaching, you know, he survived a couple of different coaching tenures there. And he, look, he's done a really good job. Those first two years as a play caller that said, and I've said this on your show before, when you give somebody who is a play caller, the head coaching job, you're giving them 75% more responsibility. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then you're asking them to still call plays. Sure. And I think we saw with Frank, Wright From an operational standpoint, it's really difficult to do that. Andy Reed is really the one guy who is shined through as a play caller, a, an executive type and, and like, but also his in-game decision-making has been questioned. His big thing in Philly was situational awareness. Mm-hmm. And while well, he's gotten better at that, mainly because he has the best quarterback on the planet, <laughs> you know, well, uh, yeah. in, my, in my opinion, you know, he is a top two head coach, of his era. I mean, I don't even think that's an opinion. I think that's fact. And, you know, I, I think it's really tough to replicate that. So you're gonna take a 37 or 38 year old and ask them to do the same thing. I don't know if I could I can barely tie my shoes and I'm 36. So like it's it's one of those things where like I just think be careful what you wish for with this young up and coming group. I think mm-hmm. one of the guys that it appeals to me is Frank Smith because he is more of a play designer and CEO type. Mike McDaniel calls the plays. It's his offense in Miami, but Frank Smith does so much behind the scenes. I've been told his players love him uh, to me. He makes a lot of sense because you're not asking him to go in a bunch of different directions. You're letting somebody run the offense you're letting somebody run the defense you have your shanahan influences and he can focus on everything else in between he's got an o-line background he's got a tight end background um you know i i think and oh and he's been the nfl for several years so it's not like you're going to make the comparison to matt rule you're not going to make the comparison to frank reich outside of their first names Mm -hmm. like I, i do think there's some some interest there but if you are going to hire a first year head coach you better hire somebody with a lot of front office experience
0: 19 of the last 21 years we've seen the team go from worst to first i realize there's a college mentality i think for people looking at the panthers right now to think oh man their temple football. They'll, they'll never be back. Two years away yeah. from being well, two years it's away. So far away. Yeah. But I look at it and I look and again, I again, people got mad at me on Twitter. I don't see how you see I it. Made they, the, they don't I have made, draft picks. I made the comp to the Texans. Now the Texans got a couple of things right. Yeah. But a couple of years ago, the Texans looked lost, Mike. Sure. Like the, the owner was problematic. The quarterback didn't want to play for the problematic owner, they couldn't get anything right. They had idiot Bill O'Brien running around and they gave him all of this control. And now voila, look at where the Texans are. I'm not saying it's going to happen next year for the Panthers, but do you, do you and or people who follow the NFL really think that the Panthers are that far off?
3: Well, if we're going to talk about Houston, they fired two head coaches before they got to D'Amico Ryan's and D'Amico Ryan's really wanted to go there specifically because he had family there. He had, been a legacy player there there was you know i I mean they i don't want to say they lucked into cj stroud but the choice was made for them right like there was a lot going on there right what i would say is this team from the outside looking in has an owner who uh is quick on the trigger who now doesn't have a first overall pick if you didn't like bryce young and weren't willing to make the same deal that they were you probably don't want this job Mm -hmm. or it's not a good fit for you. Uh, The offense needs to be completely rebuilt outside of the 33-year-old wide receiver uh, and Bryce Young. Um, The offensive line might, you know, there's some realness to the icky to guard situation. That's that's very
0: hearing, All I'm hearing from Mike is, yeah, dude, no. (laughs) Well,
3: let me me, me put it in in perspective
0: too. It's, yeah.
3: it's even. It gets even worse. Your top two players on defense, who are your top two players probably on your team outside of Derek Brown, are free agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is going to need a skyrise type contract. The other is going to be one of the more complicated contracts in Frankie Louvu because he plays basically four different positions. Um, you know, it, it's tough, man. Like they they do have a lot of cap space, but when you look at who has more, it's, it's a pretty deep list. Yeah, And I just think something that somebody told me who represents coaches is that they're going to have a tough time filling out a staff because while well, assistant coaches are uh, given guaranteed contracts, they have offset language. And so let's say you're you're a young coach who's moving his young family from LA or Seattle or Las Vegas or Denver to Charlotte. If there's another quick trigger move or he doesn't like how a certain position group is, is working. Yeah, sure. You've got that guaranteed money, but you're a young coach. You don't want to be out of it. There's a, there's a stigma that if you're out of the league for a year or two, you're in trouble. And from there, it has offset language so let's say yeah cool you get fired in charlotte but you you know arizona's got an opening and you get hired well you're paying for all this moving and 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 uprooting your family and and creating a little bit of strife there and so i think you're going to see that while they had the all-star staff, whatever that means, this year, it's going to be a little bit more complicated in bringing in proven guys to – I mean, look, Arizona had the same same issue. Like, they had a first-year offensive coordinator, first-year defensive coordinator. Their staff wasn't particularly impressive. And they did a relatively good coaching job, but, you know, it's going to take time. I, I I think they're really looking to compete in 2025. That's when their salary cap just like explodes. And what the plan would be from the outside looking in is to sign guys to bonuses, like really big contracts this year with it kind of set up with dummy years with it. It pushed into next year you get down to them, not to get to them in the salary cap minutia, but give them a huge signing bonus, make their salaries basically, At the minimum, you can do it and then take on those charges the next couple of years. So you're, you know, you know, you're taken from next year to help this year. But even then, you know, yes, money at the end of the day is a big deal.
0: Do they even have their second, third and fourth picks?
3: Yeah, they have their second. Yeah. yeah, So 33.
0: Show me a good team, Mike, as you know, and I'll show you a team that hit on their second, third and fourth round picks.
3: Right. And look. You know what's interesting is Scott Fitterer came from Seattle, where they were terrible with first round picks, but terrific with right. second, <laughs> third, and fourth round picks. <laughs> which also makes it very curious why that didn't happen here. Um,
0: it's I almost, think almost like there's bigger problems with the Carolina
3: Panthers. Oh, um, okay. I mean, look the third round pick, DJ Johnson. They literally admitted right after picking him is there was a run on pass rushers, and he was like their last draftable. Nope. And if you watch the Panthers in-house media stuff, oh, we won the trade from the trade chart. But winning the trade on the trade chart doesn't matter if you draft a guy who's an edge rusher who can't edge rush, <laughs> it, who's 25 and is
0: just learning your hey, position. Wait, Chandler wait. Zavala wasn't at the combine. Is anybody gonna take him? He texted us. We should take we should him. Totally take Never him. Never mind that he wasn't any good in college.
3: Well, I'll push All back right. on that. I really like Chandler Zavala. All I think right. I think that he eventually can be very good.
0: Eventually okay.
3: this, you're this hoping is the biggest game. nightmare of a season I've ever seen for a player. I, I cannot remember in the
0: fourth season. round. Was it the fourth round? Yeah.
3: But like, I mean, he had, a, he had a serious he next round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think he is very raw when you play it. Like the school <laughs> he played for before NC state. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. a tough beat, man. They moved yeah. him around. He didn't have a training camp. Like there's a lot going on there. But what I will say is like Jonathan Mingo. I was like, here's the thing. This is the, the problem with this organization the last three years is compounded mistakes. So if I can take you through a little bit of a timeline, I know, I know we're, we're I like up against it. No, I like it. So okay. So <laughs> in 2022, the the rule staff is enamored with with uh Matt Corral. So they trade up in the third round, trade their future third round pick.
0: Yeah together. actual assets. Yes.
3: Right. Okay. Let's fast forward to, to this year. Okay. They, they see, they, they trade Christian McCaffrey, the second round picks the 61st overall pick. Oh, great. This will help us save the 39th overall pick by trading that or, along with for Bryce Young, get the number one overall pick. The 39th overall pick is a gem. It's a top 40 pick. It's basically got first round value. So what do you do if you're a smart organization when you only have six tra- – you come into a draft with only six draft picks? You trade back because you have several needs. Oh, didn't do that. Drafted Jonathan Mingo, a, a slot receiver who has Anquan Bolden-like traits, but his best year was like 800 yards, who also, by the way, was like injured relentlessly during his his time at Ole Miss. Then – oh, and by the way, two picks before B.J. uh who's a pass rusher. Then you realize, oh, my God, all these pass rushers are coming off the board. Man, it would have been great to have this year's third round pick that was like in the mid 60s. Oh, wait, you don't have him because Matt Corral's the trade with the Patriots. So you say to yourself, hey, let's trade up. We have a third and a fourth round pick from the the McCaffrey trade. Pass rushers are a premium position. Let's trade both of those. Trades up with that to number 80 uh, and drafts DJ Johnson. Here's the the issue. There, you have created a problem because one, you traded up for Matt Corral, who didn't la- didn't play a game for this franchise. Oh, snap, right? Mm-hmm. Nope. And and then you didn't trade back. Well, if you would have traded back, you probably would have acquired another third round pick to draft DJ Johnson.
0: I, here's my premise for the Panthers: they have made every absolute wrong move. Yeah, starting with Matt Rule and. Let's take everybody on defense in the draft. That'll be great. Look at our strategy. We're so smart. Let me take J.C. Horn instead of Justin Fields when he's just sitting there staring at us. Like they've made all of these mistakes, all of them. And the one thing that they used to be really good at was drafting in the first round. Now they're not even good at drafting in the first round. So if you can just hit this little reset button and have competent adults, I I'm telling you, I'm te- and if Mike. Not not to insult Mike, but if Mike can figure this out, if these Jabronis <laughs> on this podcast, so can you figure know, it out, if Mike can figure it out, then everybody else can too. <laughs> uh, Mike A, Charlotte <laughs> Observer. I mean, wow, up. what a high bar you <laughs> said. Right? right? I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a theme with what we do. We all got it figured <laughs> out, yet we don't have the jobs. Anyway. Mike K., Charlotte Observer. We appreciate the time. We'll catch up with you next week, man, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of movement. Yeah, you wait. got nothing going on. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah don't nothing,
3: worry. There's <laughs> nothing. My schedule is <laughs> totally
0: free. We'll work something <laughs> out. We'll get an update. We'll talk to you later, man.
3: All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh,
0: Big thanks to Matt Davis, State Farm. Check him out online, insuregarner.com. Call him directly at 919-779-8277. And if you don't remember those numbers, if you cannot remember the website, even something as simple as theoginsurance.com, just message me like one of our listeners did. Hey, who's the insurance guy again, the State Farm guy? Why, that's Matt Davis. Here's his number. Call him directly. There's a real person there, Joe. stanza. Yeah, it works. you just got to keep saying these things, man. But, you know, you want to save money? Best way to do it. Have a conversation. 919-779-8277. Call Matt's office. You'll talk to a real person. You'll save real money. Everybody's a winner. And thanks to Home Field. We mentioned them earlier, but for real, go to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, use the promo code OG23. They got new Michigan swag. <laughs> Apparently, Apparently we're huge in the Save 15%. Okay. And you can use that promo code OG23. You can also just start getting hyped for the basketball season. Uh, I got that Big 4 Wake 4 shirt that you gifted me. There's a lot of great NC State gear, a lot of great Duke gear, and a lot of great UNC gear. So get yourself outfitted with these retro-inspired designs for now until the ACC tournament. And who knows? Maybe we might have a new shirt coming out here relatively soon that you might want to get out, uh, get, you know, get ready for it. Make some room in your closet.
1: Just saying. Next topic. Please.
0: So the the final AP top twenty five came out, which always makes me wonder why. Oh, no, why gotta, do we you gotta have the final record? I would rather the AP give me an entirely way too early preseason top twenty five no. than a final AP top no, twenty five. You you gotta stick with tradition. You gotta close the book on the season for seventy years. It was the way that the national champion was decided. Yeah, so so we got Michigan shockingly number one Washington shockingly number two why don't they just get a little disruptive like yeah you know what I didn't like the way Washington played I'm going to elevate Georgia to number two because I think they probably would have had a better game they jumped Georgia over Alabama they did they did do that so Michigan Washington Texas Georgia followed by Alabama Florida State uh, drops two spots to number six of course why are you why are you punishing them for a game they played against Georgia where like 28 players were missing they only dropped in one spot though they had them five that's oh, okay. Week. Oh, they're tied for sixth. My bad. That's why. Yeah. Uh, that's why it looks that way. So I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. And oh, look at that! Louisville at uh, ten at four. They're, they finish at 19. Clemson at 20. NC State at 21. And we're gonna start counting SMU folks at ACC. 22. Yeah. So what kind of Dave Dorn gets paid for a top 25 finish? Right. He does not in the AP. He gets it for here's here's where you would love this oh his bonus is based on the final college football playoff ranking which does not obviously does they don't they do not release a ranking after the bowl games are played but they were in the last college football playoff ranking were they not correct okay so we got paid so maybe this is why he, the, his teams don't know how to win in bowl games because oh, he doesn't get a bonus <laughs> for what the bowl. well he does get a bowl, he gets performance. A bowl bonus Yes, he does. He also gets a bonus if they had won ten games. Okay, okay. But here we are. So the college football playoff four team iteration is over. Good. We've had, we, which is cool. <laughs> Good. Now we get the twelve team, and there have been now five undefeated college football playoff champions. Five total in ten years. That includes twenty eighteen Clemson, twenty nineteen. LSU, Whew. 2020 Alabama, 2022 Georgia. Yes, folks, remember Georgia did lose in 2021. They lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game, right? So, Michigan, 2023. Out of those fives, you you want you you want some some old school radio Joe? Yes. Rank them. I mean LSU, 19. Were colored by their all of their success of the players in the pros. Yes. I, I, I hate it when people are like, we kind of misremember certain college teams because those players did not excel in the NFL. Right. That doesn't like, like Tim Tebow, LS, for but example. that LSU squad, dude. Right. So you know, look at look at Tim <laughs> Tebow. You go to '06 uh, Florida or '08 Florida, and you're sure. like, that that was a squad. But then you're like, oh, yeah, but Tim Tebow wasn't that good. And it's like, no, no, no. He was really freaking good in college. Yeah. We don't have that. We, the two teams we revere the most are the 01 Miami Hurricanes and the 19 LSU Tigers because they put stacks on stacks in the NFL and then had guys who were bona fide Hall of Fame stars. You could even make the argument in the NFL. that the Miami team that lost to Ohio State on a BS pass interference yeah. call was even better. Yep. than the one that actually won the national championship. Correct. So, more so because they coached themselves, which is even more <laughs> impressive. <laughs> and that's the kind of, like Ed Orgeron was dialing it up. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. I, I, yeah, I hesitate when people point. are like, how, how about point? this? That's a good, point. But how that's about a good this? point. How about this? How about this? <laughs> even Joe Brady, <laughs> as we saw in his brief NFL stint as a play caller, knew how to push the right buttons but yeah jamar chase justin jefferson yeah. and joey burr so are we, are we putting are we putting that 2019 lsu team at the top oh ahead of that stack again we're talking about how we have I would, things color would, that would be an you, amazing and by we the stack way i'm ahead of that clemson team yeah and by the way but by the way the the pandemic 2020 team yeah was actually Saban's best team a to z one through 40 it was his best team and they and they okay, murder balled people. By here's, the way, <laughs> here's what we can agree, though, right? I think this is where we can agree. This Michigan team would be fifth. Oh, out of the five? Out of the five? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not to say that they couldn't compete, because no. I mean, clearly their defense is really, really great. They go about playing the game a certain way. Um, but when you look at the offensive skill position, right? And I know you brought up. You know McCarthy is a potential you know NFL guy. If Jim oh, Harbaugh goes, I don't. No, no, he'll be picked. I don't see it early. I don't see it. If that's the case, then you talk about chasing things. You're clearly chasing something. If McCarthy is okay. going to be, if you're going to waste a first round pick on McCarthy, what is wrong? What is wrong with the quarterback market? If that's a guy you're going to spend a first don't, round draft pick on, don't save that. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying... Are you reviewing. Am I? Am That's I? fine. You can write it down. <laughs> I okay. Let's say he does go in the first round. I'll roast it then. That's fine. I, I said the I, same I, thing about Bryce Young last year. I, I, I did mean. not think he was a roasted. A franchise then. quarterback. So I think we could all agree, though, that Michigan, based on what you see with those other stacked teams, especially when I'm looking at it offensively, sure, Michigan gets put fifth. Yes. What do you do with that Clemson team, though? That's the question. Because remember that's a Clemson well, that's, team that beat Alabama. And, and that's all also where we get lost in Justin Ross, even though he hasn't had success in the NFL, mm-hmm. was a really good college receiver and had a hell of a game against the Crimson Tide. Uh, T. Higgins, Travis Etienne, you know, they had guys. Like, this is when the sun was shining on Death Valley. Yes. I mean, that was... And Trevor Lawrence obviously is a baller. Um, Clemson's offensive line has always been a little bit of a problem. Their defensive front I mean, they put three or four guys. Now they've all kind of flamed out, other than Christian Wilkins. Um, good, uh, really good team, all time ACC team. But so if when, we, when you're talking about that LSU team, you're you're really are you really are talking about a? Because they had guys on defense too, Joe. So 2019 LSU number one, yeah. 2020 Alabama two, yeah. 2022 Georgia three. Wow, I'm really glossing over Georgia and how freaking good they were. You, yeah, about, you talk but, about murder ball. But they should have lost to Ohio State if, if Ohio State hadn't gone into the portal and gotten Carolina's kicker. See? Aye, aye, aye. So Georgia 2022 three. Cost me something. Clemson four. <laughs> Michigan five. Is that our consensus? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Every time we talk about college football is brought to you by Wings Over. I don't know. Maybe you want to debate with you your friends. Good. You feel good at those little radio? Yeah. I like, know. Let's like, so put it right here. i what's your Mount Rushmore of undefeated college football teams I I love how they put 10 years in the end zone for like no reason like because people are getting wistful I guess it is still the college football playoff just there's more teams it's an iteration okay that's all it is I saw that in the end zone on on Monday night and I'm like well I also by uh, the way the way interesting that you bring that up because it now just comes to mind where the fact that they commemorate 10 years of the college football playoff and we're kind of sending it off into the sunset and having this, this kind of conversation, it does further prove the point that it was never really a playoff. It was an invitational. Correct. Because now that we're getting into the 12-team playoff, it actually is going to be a true. Never forget playoff. And understand this because this is a different world, right? Like the BCS legitimately was going to be labeled as a cartel. Mm-hmm. Legally. That's yeah. why they had to change it. Of course. All right. Never forget and always pay attention to the words because words matter. They don't claim to be the national champions because that would imply that it is a playoff. It's always the CFP national champions because they know <laughs> they're not inclusive yes. and they don't want to get sued. Yes. Yes. That is true. All right. So big thanks to Wings Over. Uh, wings Over Raleigh. Wings over Chapel Hill. Wings over Greenville. You want to have a debate with your friends? Do it over wings. Do it over wings. With sweet, beer and all that chilly, fun stuff. Uh, free parking in the back. What do we, what do we, what else do you want on Hillsborough Street? Doesn't get any better than that. Ryan Malley's crew does such a great job. Big thanks to Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority for sponsoring Ovius and Gillio. Check them out online, bugsbite.com. Uh, we just had a an incredible amount of rain in the last couple of weeks. Big storms coming through yesterday. Hopefully, everybody's okay. You're getting power back, all that stuff. Um, but you might have exposed some moisture issues because of all the rain that we've been getting. Pest Authority can come in and help you out. You had that done. I did. The 360 moisture barrier underneath my house. Now, I think you have like old school actual crawl space like you have to like get on your hands and knees. no i can actually get into my my first house i literally had to get on my hands and knees and crawl around this one is more of like a hunched over space (laughs) i I can like full-on walk around and like live down there if i wanted to i'm surprised you haven't moved down there i briefly might have in the uh spring of like 18 okay fair enough so but when you're down there and you have the water and I live on a hill the way that I do, you don't even realize it. Like mold and mildew be, can become an issue. You really don't want that, particularly if you are sitting here thinking, well, you know, we might be moving. Oh, mm-hmm. you, oh you, you want to put your house on the market or that somebody comes to inspect your house and sees mold and mildew? Guess what? You don't want that. You are up the creek, sir. So don't put yourself in that situation. Bugsbite.com. Hayes Lancaster does not believe in contracts. But he does believe in saving you money, so go with those bundles and figure out what's best for your house. Also, big thanks to Breeze Through. Check them out. Locations across the Triangle, locations across North Carolina. Uh, we got the Tajma, or as some people have called it, the McDee's Through. McDee's Through. They're very clever because there's a McDonald's in that. Part They're of off that. a high house. Obviously, there's one right outside PNC Arena. That's kind of like our home base when we've done some live yeah, shows. in there tonight. Bear Cave? Are you kidding? Um, yeah, you got to got to fuel up for some Carolina NC State tonight at PNC Arena. So check them out. Breeze through locations across. And of course, as Joe has, the lifetime refills when it comes to coffee because it is getting into those 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock basketball oh. tips. Got to stay caffeinated, not man. Got to stay caffeinated. Eight o'clock tip. Also, big thanks to Butcher's Market, new location, Lake Boone Shopping Plaza, and of course, locations Ooh. across Triangle and in Wilmington. So head on over to Butcher's Market to not just get things to throw on the grill, but I can't stress this enough. Prepared meals are where it's at. Here's the combo I'm going for tonight. I'm going to go to Lake Boone Shopping Center. I'm going to get the tortellini salad, that's which cute. I enjoy oh, tremendously. Really stuff. I get bummed when they don't have it. Okay. I'm going to get the tortellini salad. Then I'm going to go over to the arena. I'm going to park. I'm going to walk over to the breeze through. I'm going to get some coffee <laughs> in my mug. And I'm going to hope that either okay. Ron or Bob are working at the arena and they'll let me bring my mug in. Gotcha. I'm sure good they plan? will. Good plan? I, that sounds like a good plan. I'm sure, yeah. I am sure they will do that with you. <music> Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline is Gina Stevens. She is with Raleigh Magazine. She's got a podcast office talk uh, with Raleigh Magazine. And Gina, you, you you tagged me and Jillio yesterday on a, on an updated podcast related to Backyard Bistro. It was interesting because we were talking about Backyard Bistro early, earlier that day. It's with, like your ears were ringing. With Luke. And I see this. I'm like, well, that, that kind of changes the conversation. And in that in that podcast clip that you had put out on social media that picked up some steam, you you guys had talked about how basically everybody at Backyard Bistro was fired before Christmas. And my spidey senses started to tingle. I went, wait a minute. That doesn't sound quite right, considering that they've stayed open throughout. And the Canes just put out a press release in terms of how they're operating Backyard Bistro going forward. So what what exactly kind of led to this conversation you had on your podcast and where things kind of stand now with Backyard Bistro.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it was a conversation, as you guys do. You get lots of people who share information with you. Back in October, we got tipped off from a very reliable source that we checked that Gale Force Sports Entertainment was purchasing Backyard Bistro, Mm -hmm. and with the intention of flipping it into a sports book. And there was all kinds of details, and as we all know, Plans get out there, they get into it, money changes, costs go up, details change. But we, we shared what we knew, and that was that they were purchasing it in January with the intention of keeping it open, closing it at some point, converting it to a sports book, and reopening hopefully in time for playoffs. Mm-hmm. Very vague, right? Mm-hmm. So early last week, the same source tipped us off that the deal had gone south. Not the deal to buy it, but the conversion to a sports book wasn't going to happen, that the price tag was just too high. Mm -hmm. It came back at a million. And that and again, source shared some things about Christmas and people being let go. I think there's, you know, obviously we have now heard from the Canes. They've shared factual details, according to them, Mm -hmm. that no one was fired um before christmas um i think you know week of christ you know i, I i'm not going to get into whether it was the week before christmas or the week after i don't think anyone was fired i'm sure there's some people who left who maybe thought they were going to stay on and have a role in maybe a big sports book and run it i i don't know they they say that no one was let go um only people left who couldn't pass their background check um that they needed to be employed by the gains.
0: Yeah. My understanding is that in order to stay now that they're, they're running it, they have to pound, they have to pass background checks and the people who were not retained were the ones who did not pass that background check, which also speaks to, I know Joe, you've talked about this when it comes to a sports book, background checks are kind of important. Right. If, if the gambling Lords ruled the country, (laughs) we would all be better off.
2: A lot more fun.
0: Not <laughs> by well, the checker uppers, for sure. It <laughs> makes so, sure things run. So, Gina, I'm, I'm a little bit confused in terms of I always got the sense from the Canes, but from Tom Dundon, um, to be specific, that they wanted to build a sports book at PNC Arena. And what they would do as a stopgap would basically have Backyard Bistro as a place. Mm-hmm. Now, our traditional definition of sports book changes in 2024 because of your phone. So I just assumed it would be a place that they would run that would serve food. Maybe they would renovate, you know, modestly a window if you want. I don't even think think they will because remember, they're cashless as an operation arena. So you'll need to help us because in Detroit, for instance, I'll keep using Detroit as an example. Little Caesars Arena, they have kiosks around to handle any sort of. Issues, I have a question, I have a question, oh, this isn't working. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's probably what you're looking at with a small conversion. And in my understanding, Gina, with talking with people over at the Carolina Hurricanes, elements of a sports book at Backyard Bistro are still in play. Um,
2: all I can say is I have I we are not in the deal. We're not part of it. We are we report the news that we here and and this is one of those things you know we hear mm-hmm. a lot of stuff about sports and about development and sure. people, people say things and things change. Mm-hmm. I, I was told very clearly that the price tag for the conversion they wanted to make was a million dollars. And again, you know, my editor and I took a tour of uh, PNC with Jeff Merritt, head of uh, Centillion Authority. He walked us through and he said, you know, our game plan is we want a sports book in the arena. Mm-hmm. And that can't happen overnight, obviously, and so it made sense when they said they were considering um, backyard bistro. It also makes sense that you know every everything we're hearing is when anybody wants to build anything right now, the prices are higher, and they're going. Ooh, maybe not that much. Yeah.
0: Money, money is not cheap right now. This money is, is not is, cheap.
2: Nothing's cheap. These
0: rates are pretty high right now,
2: and so I, you know, I you know, I, I asked yesterday on the call. I said, so you know you want to tell me, are you doing a sports book? Are you still thinking about a sports book? And they go, um, am I wrong? And, and they said, no comment. Gotcha. And so, you know, I understand it's their story to tell. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that's lost in all of this is that part of the reason we did a podcast on it was people are excited. You know, people want to know what's going on. They're hearing mm-hmm. about all the exciting things. You know, Dundon said, "If we can't take the, you know, the arena to downtown, let's bring downtown to the arena." So people are excited to hear what's out there; they want to know. And I think any movement, but up to date, it's been pretty tight-lipped on everything.
0: So, are you standing by the statement you made yesterday that the sports book at Backyard Bistro is canceled?
2: I am standing by that part. I, that And and I have had a a really good source mm-hmm. um, that I've trusted and has been with me for years. And I, I believe, you know, did the whole part about whether contracts weren't kept or somebody didn't pass a background check, you know, and they end up out the door.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There's that, those fine details that, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't get, um, so you know we were wrong on that part, I guess in terms of timing and why someone might have been let go. Mm-hmm.
0: But to summarize, if I may, <laughs> sure, I feel like and Joe learned this in Detroit. And Gina, you may be a shark. I, I don't know. You you might be out there running to the border like I do to go play spets. I, <laughs> yeah, Joe, I could Joe, be wrong. <laughs> Joe Joe crosses the border, hangs out in a bojangles parking lot, and opens up a phone app. So that's what I, mean. I think there's like pre. 2018 concepts of what a sports book actually is that you need this brick and mortar right set up, sure. you know, that you, you have to have the board with the green and, and orange neon mm-hmm. and with all the lines and all the odds and all this other stuff. I think the canes it, and I don't, all of our conversations with Tom Dundon are we record and put out there. So all I can figure out here from that $1 million price tag, which makes sense is they said, why would we put a million dollars into something that's only going to be temporary? Right. Which is what the backyard Bistro would be.
2: As right. three years.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, yep. you want to renovate and do it right. You're going to renovate and do it right at the arena. Right. What your permanent site would be. I think what's important though, for people like me is, can I go to this backyard Bistro and place bets? Mm-hmm. And I think, as long as you could do that, <laughs> you could call it whatever you, you want call to call in, it. Right. That's what I wanted. We we call this a studio. <laughs> it right. really is just a ten by ten space in downtown. Raleigh. This <laughs>
2: is our office. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I
0: mean, it yeah. is what it is. Um. So I guess we can we can close the conversation on this with Gina from uh, from Raleigh Magazine. You know, I think what what ends up happening, and I'm guilty of this from time to time, is that we get caught up in what is sold as a vision. You know, how many t- you know how many times I've seen a downtown vision plan that's going to include XYZ? You know, I'm still waiting for that, like, permanent amphitheater in downtown Raleigh, right? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, speaking of John Kane, like, that downtown South development at some point will eventually take off. As a North Hills resident, I know what it was supposed to look like versus what it actually is. And as a Disney adult, I know very well <laughs> about how things are sold oh. and then ultimately how they end up. So I guess the the ultimate takeaway here is This is a long process and things that are discussed when they announce versus what the actual results are. There's going to be some ebbs and flows to it. And that's how we get these conversations, right?
2: Absolutely. And, and part of the, you know, I'm a season ticket holder with the Canes. I love sports. I'm a Georgia Bulldog. I mean, I love it all. And so, you know. um,
0: Rub it in, Gina. Just rub it in. (laughs) No, no. We'll know what real football is at some point.
2: (laughs) But I so I'm a big sports fan and I love it when stuff comes up and I'm excited about what's going on around the arena and certainly not make trying to make anyone look bad, but I think there is a, um, a thirst, a desire. People want to know what's happening. They get excited about it.
0: Gina, we appreciate it. Uh, Raleigh magazine office talk is the name of the podcast. And, uh, we will talk to you later and maybe we'll have a debate about whether Georgia actually belonged in that college football playoff.
2: (laughs) Amen. Thanks for having me.
0: So do you want to say it? I see the graphic. Let's get out of here on some Hey Joe questions. It's, (sighs) let me look, Wednesday. That means they're open. Go over to Oakwood Pizza Box right there on Person Street, right across from the world famous Krispy Kreme. Say hello to Anthony. Get yourself a square pie. Get yourself a Narragansett or order online. Oakwoodpizzabox.com. I guess this is my day to take stray today. That's fine. Uh, let's say what's up to Nick. The Bomani guest appearance was awesome. Every time Bomani's on, it's awesome. Always love our conversation with them. Great job, quote unquote, navigating some of that <laughs> subject matter. You are a braver man than me. <laughs> his, what his Southern Indiana take? Like I was. <laughs> there are times where I'll I'll just listen to the show in the car, and then there's times like I'll put it on on sure. the computer. Sure, sure. I yeah. I'm um, I was practicing. Dutch shuffleboard to to get ready for Aho last night. Yeah, and we I had have the, some content coming. I had the show on and I spit out my drink when he when he was like, I've been through southern <laughs> Alabama. Let's talk about southern this. India. Or yeah, Southern <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> That's not a gas station. Look, <laughs> you loiter. Look. <laughs> at, at some point. <laughs> I, uh, <pfft. laughs> As we talked about with Wes earlier, <laughs> sometimes you just got to let the conversations happen. Yeah. Simple as that. <laughs> That's the, point, uh, the whole point of the podcast. From Young Left Hander catching up on Monday's show, got sideswiped by a Harold Minor reference. Fun fact, I played intramural basketball with his brother. Hmm. There, I, oh, man, I forgot the name of the song. Uh, it's by Benny. The, it's like one of these collab tracks with uh, these guys. It's like this crew called Griselda. They're from Buffalo. And the main guy's the guy's name is Benny the Butcher. There's this other guy, Conway the Machine, and all this other stuff, right? Stove God Cooks is another one of these guys. I think it's Stove God that makes. Um, it, like the reference was something like turning up the heat, something like I'm Harold Minor, and you know, you know that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he from um the I forgot the name of the, the movie. Tarantino movie, the Tarantino Once Upon movie. a Time in Hollywood. Thank you, where he gets up and he points. That was me, like Harold Minor reference, baby Jordan. By the way, let's go that all of that thing that you just spit out about names or whatever that group was. Yeah. This is why you can't keep Mike McDaniel and Mike McCarthy straight. Cause why? you have all of this other shit occupying in your brain. What? <laughs> I can't even repeat what you just said. Yeah, I, I, you lost me, but you're like, okay, that was so-and-so the butcher. That was so-and-so <laughs> the machine. And I'm like, how freaking obscure are we getting here? Yeah, Joe, there, there are times where my older son, Caleb, uh, we'll reference something. And he looks at me like, and they're from Buffalo. He's like, how do you know that? What? I was like, cause your dad's extremely online. I'm sorry. That felt like little Joe reads the, the album liners and memorizes everything. That's what that felt like. To me. Yeah. You mean Joey, Joey. Uh, from UNC, Not the DNA, but Joey. <laughs> UNC owns Duke. That's a hell of a Twitter name. UNC favored by five tonight. I get UNC winning. 77-67, What do you have? Why are they asking you for gambling? I don't advice? know. I'm not the gambling guy. Interesting. But maybe they get people get us confused all the time. Is it up to five? Never forget. Never forget the time that I was at a UNC football game at Keenan, and I think <laughs> at that point you were you were covering UNC per persona non grana, Yes, but you were covering UNC. Yeah. Football no, time. it was the year after I, I stopped. Oh, anyway, so I'm. Yeah, I'm it was and, eleven. And I think Brown, Brownlow can twelve. I think Brownlow can verify this for me. But we're walking. We're walking uh, off the field. Yeah, And I had some guy in the Blue Zone yell out at me, Giglio! Giglio! I look up, you suck! And I'm like, I'll let him know, thanks. I'm the other Joe. (laughs) It's been going on for years, man. Been going on for years. All right, two YouTube comments, what? I'm just looking at the college basketball scores from last night. Number one and number two lost last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After all this oh. business about uh, Houston, you know, can they go the distance? And it's Houston's world. I love this about college basketball. Uh, my my Wildcats looked good though last night. Eh? Nothing man's happy that we gave the Deeks some love yesterday. Is that our guy? That's our guy. Is he still mad at us? No, he's not mad at us. Actually, he's mad at you about your Green Bay take. Um what was the Green Bay take? Since it, base, I guess, did we say that Green Bay had no business in the playoffs? I don't remember I saying don't that. I don't think they should be in the playoffs, but yeah, I mean. So, uh, Nothing Man points out that Green Bay finished the season 6-2, and two, defeated the defending national, cha- or national champs, defending <laughs> champs, chiefs, the Vikings, the Rams. Then why do both of you say they have no business being in the playoffs? Most analysts are saying that if you are Dallas, sitting at number two, waiting for number seven to come visit your stadium, you do not want to see Green Bay. Sure. With nothing to lose. Sure. That's going to be more about the Dallas Cowboys than it is about the Green Bay Packers, but that's neither here nor there Uh, from Greg. My view, since the teams were announced is that the best four teams were not in this invitational referring to the college football playoff. And it wasn't because of FSU thought if they truly wanted the best four teams, then Georgia would have been in that final four. That alone led me not to believe that, you know, believe what they were selling. I agree. I think as most people have come to find out, um, Georgia has elevated in a, huh, it would have been interesting to see. And we'll get that finally with the 12 team playoff. And from 83 Cardiac Pack, Joel Berry just said on a Tar Heel podcast that it isn't a rivalry. Thoughts? Do You know what? I feel like this is the time of the year when we need to, like, points to sign, okay? When it comes to somebody from Carolina saying that the NC State game, specifically in basketball, the NC State game isn't a rivalry, that's the feature, not a bug. Sure. Part of the rivalry dynamics between NC State and North Carolina is for North Carolina to tell NC State, "You are not our rival." That's the hook. Like, yeah, that's that's playing the hits. You know, if I were a if I was a, a top forty radio programmer this time of the year, I'd be playing that one every hour on the hour. Okay, that's the hit. That's what Carolina fans do, and it riles NC State's fans up, and then. There's the yeah, back and I, forth. I mean, that's what I happens. I think there's a difference between the players and the fans. Agree. Yeah. Now, Joel Berry's situation specifically, and I remember talking to him about this. I was, I covered, that was the year I covered Carolina. And I said, okay, you're saying you're not rivals with state. And he was like, yeah, like I was recruited by Duke and I know all the Duke players and I hang, you know, I, I'm friends or whatever with the Duke people and we respect each other. Yeah. And, like they're on our level. Yeah. You know, like state hasn't won anything. Fair enough. Like they don't recruit the same players we do. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. But your coach really cares for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was, you know, and anytime you get Theo Pinson, I love his podcast. His, his, he's, I, I love all the stuff that he does. Yeah, he's great. And he talked about like how much they hated state because they would talk. Apparently the players would talk and be like, oh, you're on our level. And it's like, no, you're not. Oh, wait. <laughs> but that's the point. This <laughs> right. Is, that's part of the dynamic is, is ultimately my point. So if you're an NC State fan who's still getting triggered by the fact that a Carolina fan says we're a Carolina player or Carolina (laughs) player, this is very different. They're not a rival. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point. We'll see what happens tonight. And obviously, we'll talk about it tomorrow. We will be live again. OG live live. OG. Have we figured out? It's sleek fleet. OG live. Well, that's the part that I was trying to get clarification on. It's OG live. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. So now that no, I know no, it's no, OG, no, live, no, no. I the throw, OG right, live, I can then throw. I know <laughs> Sleek Fleet is at the top of that. I just wanted to make sure that I had the live and OG in the right place. So, correct. Sleek Fleet, OG live, two o'clock on YouTube. We'll see you then. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-mm.